Thanks for taking time to watch this video message. Our mission here at Crosspoint is to relentlessly pursue those far from God with the hope and love of Jesus. And we pray that by watching, you experience both the hope and love he has to offer you. If you have questions or need more information on the ministries of our church, visit us online at crosspointcity.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you very much, Susie, and thank you for Susie and the team. Matt and everyone else have done a great job, and I love when I come here. I'm usually in the Sunday night service. I love worshiping here. I also love this church because James is your pastor, and James was my daughter's youth pastor when she was at Westridge, so the change in her life is unbelievable, so I'm very grateful to James. Um, I'm also very grateful to be here, and uh, in case you're wondering, um, I am from the Deep South. Why are you laughing? I'm from the Deep South, the Deep South of Scotland, uh, just in case you're wondering. Some people get that wrong. They can't always place an accent, and if you don't understand me, just don't worry about it. My wife doesn't understand me either sometimes. But I was speaking at Moody Bible Institute, and three students were going out, and one turned to the other and said, was he English or Irish? And the third one said, he was neither. He was rubbish. <laughs> but I'm actually Scottish, in case you're wondering, and... Uh, I'm, I'm learning the language. I've been here 25 years, but I'm learning the language slowly. Hi, ma, bye, bye, and so on. So I'm getting there. But uh, I was delighted when James uh, asked me, he said, we're in a series, we're going to be in a series called The Best Sermon Ever. And that's not him reading my sermon. He said, it's a, a series on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught. And he said, I'd like you to speak on the power of prayer. I don't think there's a single subject I would rather speak on. By the way, I do a prayer card if you want to pray for me, if God speaks to you this morning, I would encourage you to pick one up in the lobby, take it home, put it in your Bible, and pray for me. All the information about the ministry is on there. Because I love to speak about prayer. Uh, when I was starting Provision Partnership 10 years ago, I sat down and I looked back over 20 years of pastoral ministry and I said, God, what is the, the single greatest things that you've done? How can I take all the things you've done into the next 10 or 20 years? And I clearly sense God saying to me, focus on teaching and evangelism. That's what you enjoy. And you enjoy leading people to Christ, so keep doing that. But then I began to pray some more, and I began to get sense God saying to me, but don't forget what lies behind that. And I began to write down some things that he was saying to me about prayer. I began to say, I don't want to waste the next 10 or 20 years without, without sailing out into the deep water and trusting God in the area of prayer and faith like I've never done before, because I've already seen what he can do. And so I wrote down this, uh, what has God done? That is, in the 20 years of pastoral ministry, he's blessed me with his presence in supernatural ways, numerous but significant and unforgettable times, so I would know that he loves me and cares for me beyond my ability to fully understand. That's what I wrote down. Then I wrote down, what have I done? That's what God's done. What have I done? You know what I wrote next to that? I have needed him. <laughs> That's all I wrote. So if you need him this morning, you're just like me. We're both in this boat together. But what I want to do is show you how I connected my need to God's resources. Because I began to discover things in pastoral ministry. I said, wow, the Bible's true. <laughs> She's laughing at me. Isn't that an incredible discovery for a pastor to make? The Bible's true. You see, I'm both 
charismatic and charismatic, small c. I'm neither one, I'm, I'm, I'm on both ends. I love the Word of God. I love teaching the Word of God. But you know what I find? If I don't teach the Word of God that it answers the question, so what? I've not taught the Word of God. If you go out here this morning and, 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 and I've spoken on the power of prayer and you say, eh, so what? I've not taught the Word of God enough, properly, powerfully. I believe in the charisma, the truth, the gospel, the Word of God, but I also believe there are experiences that ought to flow from that that I ought to be able to teach you about that will, that will convince you that you too can go to God with your needs and He will meet your need with His resources. That's why, by the way, one of my favorite shows, let me just say this to all the guys out there and some of the women too, one of my favorite shows is 24. I wish they would do reruns. Why? 24. Uh, Jack, uh, what's his name? Bauer. There you go. That guy knows it. What, what does it start with? It starts with this, the ticking clock. These events are happening in real time. These events are happening in real time. That's why I love it. You know what happens when you teach the Bible properly? These events ought to be happening in real time. Jesus is not telling us about prayer and the Sermon on the Mount so we can take a, a three-point outline, stick it in our Bibles and forget it. He wants to teach us so we can connect our need to His limitless resources. I heard about a nightclub that opened up next to a church in Main Street in some small town in the south. And the pastor jumped up the next Sunday in the pulpit. He said, we are going to pray that this nightclub would be burned to the ground. So he announced a prayer meeting. Before they even had the prayer meeting, one week later, the nightclub burnt to the ground. The nightclub owner took the church to court and sued them for the damage to his property. The judge listened to the nightclub owner. He said it was their fault. They announced a prayer meeting, and a week later the church burned to the ground. The church defended themselves and said, we only announced the prayer meeting. We didn't pray. It wasn't our fault. So the judge in his summation said, whoever the guilty party is, one thing is clear. The nightclub owner deeply believes in the power of prayer while the church doesn't believe in the power of prayer. <laughs> now, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I have heard more announcements about prayer than prayer. Not here. I'm talking about the church in general. I hear people talking more about prayer than praying. I'm not here talking about talking about prayer. I'm here to say somewhere in this service, I hope God speaks to you in such a way that you say, I'm going to start praying about that. I'm, I'm going to pray right now. He can hear you right now. He can hear all of us right now individually. So you start talking to them even as I'm speaking and God will speak to you. Because the first thing I want to say is that th this is the, the, by the way, the beginning and end of the, the, the Lord's Prayer, which is what James says you've been teaching on recently, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. The beginning and end is important, just like the beginning and end of a letter. Listen to Jesus' words at the beginning and end of the Lord's Prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. For yours, and he finishes it with this, speaking to his Father, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. My experience is this. If I will follow Jesus' prescription for prayer and pray the way he instructs me to, I will always finish. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Because I'll see God doing something that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. In Luke chapter 11, which is a similar passage, uh, it's again Jesus teaching. Uh, this time, his disciples were watching him pray and they were so amazed watching him pray, they said to him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And then he goes into the, the Lord's Prayer in Luke, uh, the same as Matthew. Here, here's why I find that encouraging. Number one, in Matthew he says, this then is how you should pray. 
So listen, if he's telling you how, he also is giving you the ability to do it. You can't say you can't do it. He's telling you how. And in Luke 11, it's teachable. It's possible to be taught to pray. And in fact, we have Jesus' words on how to pray, and he's teaching us to pray. So putting that all together, here's what we end up with. Here's my outline for prayer. This is how I have personally encouraged myself with Jesus' words. Here's what I do. It's called the ABCD of prayer. Ask boldly because he cares deeply. That's it. ABCD. Ask boldly because he cares deeply. By the way, now you've got that. You know the whole outline for the message. You can go to sleep. And you can still tell someone you know the message. Don't worry, if you fall asleep from where I am, it looks like you're agreeing with me, and that'll be no problem at all. But ask boldly because he cares deeply. Let's look at that step by step. Ask. First one's ask. If you look through carefully the words that Jesus shared in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he not only teaches on the Lord's Prayer, but he follows it up with some expansion in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. Five times in just a few verses, he says, ask, ask, ask ask, ask. Now, if Jesus says something five times, you better be listening, okay? He says, ask, ask, seek, knock. He put those other words in there. He's probably saying the same thing in different ways about 10 times. And then he says, he connects the asking, seeking, knocking with the door being opened, the request being granted, Ask, seek, knock, you'll find, you'll receive. In other words, he, he's promising that if we genuinely come to God, ask, seek, knock, things will happen. James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. One of the reasons we don't see God at work in our lives is we're never asking Him to work in our lives. But if we'll begin to ask God, He'll work. Here's what we used to say in Scotland when I was growing up. I had four brothers and sisters would say this to each other all the time. If we were ever asked to help with something, we would say, well, uh, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. You ever say that to any of your siblings? I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. <laughs> uh, some of us think that's what God's saying to us because we've never learned what Jesus is saying about prayer. We think God's saying, well, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. You've got a deep wound in your life, a deep need in your heart, and you think, God, well, I could if I would, but I can't, so I won't. No, no, here's what God's saying. I can and I will, but I won't until you ask. Now, I don't know why God says that. I don't know why Jesus teaches that. But that is the clear teaching of Scripture. I can and I will, but I won't until you ask. See, somehow our asking honors Him. It glorifies Him. Somehow the very, the very act of going to God in prayer and asking Him for things, you've got to understand, he, he, he gives more than we ask. You're not going to get just what you want. You're going to get more than you ask for. That's what Ephesians 3.20 says. That's why A.P. Meyer said that the, the, the greatest tragedy in life is not... An, an, uh, the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. Some folks think unanswered prayer is a great dilemma. And it is a dilemma, but it's not nearly a great a dilemma as I find is Why would Christians go through their whole lives not asking for things they need? When Jesus invites us to, in fact, he says it's the only way God will hear us if we ask for what we need. In our hearts, talking to God, spirit to spirit, we need to be asking. The greatest tragedy, unanswered prayer, uh, unoffered prayer, not unanswered prayer. That's why uh, when I was a pastor, this is what I shared with James, I had a habit of going down to a monastery in Conyers every month. Because I just found I had to take everything I was asking God for at a deliberate time and place and pour it out to God 
And so I would go down there, and some of the greatest experiences I've ever had of God's awesome power have flowed out of times when I've been at this monastery and the times following it. Like, for example, when we, and this might encourage you as what you face here as a church, we were in a similar situation back in 1997 in Buckhead, and we had to have, uh, we, we had been meeting in buildings and, and schools and gymnasiums and hotels for 10 years. And we'd, in that time, planted two churches east and west of us, and we still found ourselves growing and found that we needed to have our own building. So a, a disused nightclub that was in bankruptcy became available. And uh, the only problem was we needed, we had two months to buy it, and we needed $1.8 million. So guess what we did? We went to prayer. And we prayed, and we prayed. And I was down at this monastery and just feeling like God was saying, I'm going to do it for you, I'm going to do it for you. So we took up a cash offering two months after we got the proposal. A cash offering on Sunday morning, I believe it was March the 9th, 1997. And guess what was in the offering that morning? $1.8 million. If you've, ever, if you've ever been in a place, people started to cry. People were complaining to me about we were too much focused on this new building and not enough in evangelism. I jumped up and I said, you know what? Some of you have been waiting to trust Christ. You've been waiting to see if this prayer stuff is real. This morning you need to trust Christ. Four people trusted Christ that morning as well. See, God works powerfully. Now what happened next was I was down there again the following month and I was praying and, and, and this, was, this is not something I was uh, very accustomed to until I started doing this. I sense God saying to me, I'm going to give you all land around the new building for free. It was about a million dollars worth. It was a parcel land that would have been next to the church suitable for parking. And I, I shared that with the leaders. We prayed for five years. Five years later, this time we were in the building. We were having an all-night prayer meeting. We had them twice a year, spring and fall. And in the middle of the night, I looked around the room and I thought, wow, this is incredible. All the elders are at the prayer meeting all night, and that was the first time in the history of the church. And I was going, hallelujah, something's going to, I don't know what, but something's going to happen tonight. And here we were praying, three o'clock in the morning, somebody said, hey, it's getting kind of stuffy in here, can we take a walk? I said, absolutely, I'm just about asleep. So we go outside, we walk around, we end up on the property next to the church. And one of them said, isn't this the land that you said about five years ago? You thought God was going to give us this for free. I said, I still think that. He said, well, let's pray. Seven of us in a circle, holding hands, praying. Not something I would have ever imagined in my pre-Christian days. I can tell you that right now. But here I am standing, holding hands with six other men. We're praying. And somebody just says, Lord Jesus, if this is your will and if this is what you said, please give us this land for free. That was Friday night, three o'clock in the morning. Monday morning, I got a call from a lawyer. He says, uh, are you the, the pastor of such and such? I said, yes, I am. He said, I, I'm a, I represent the company that owns the land next to your building. It's about a million dollars worth, and we found out a way to give it to the church for free. Then he said this, and by the way, because you're a church, you probably don't have ready cash for lawyers' closing costs. We're also going to put $25,000 on the table for you to bring a lawyer to the closing, and we'll pay him. A million dollars worth of land for free. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because that's how God answers prayer when we cry out to Him, when we ask Him, especially if we're asking in response to things that He's put on our hearts. Because God says, ask me, ask me, ask me. I am just so glad that in 20 years in pastoral ministry, I learned to ask Him. 
because I began to see that he answered. So he says, ask boldly. That's the second thing he says, ask boldly. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Yet because of the man's boldness, this is Jesus uh, teaching a parable. He talks about a man getting up to go get some stuff from his neighbor. His neighbor doesn't want to wake up. The guy knocks on the door. He knocks again. He knocks again. And Jesus says, yet because the man asks boldly, he will get up and give his neighbor as much as he needs. So, Jesus says, and this is the point he's teaching, ask, seek, knock. He's saying, keep asking boldly. And then Jesus, another parable, Luke 18, teaching on prayer again, told his disciples a parable to show them, and this time he tells them about the, 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 the poor widow going to the unjust judge. And this is Jesus' summary of the parable. He told them the parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. This is Jesus' brother speaking. He knows Jesus better than we do. Let's listen to what he says about prayer. This is from the message paraphrase. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. See, one thing that prayer forces you to do is eliminate all your other options. That I could do this, I could go out here and I could gossip or manipulate to get this to happen, or I could whine or complain to get this to happen. Uh, I could, I could uh, you know, there's numbers of options that we have. But when you start to pray, there's one option. You're coming to the Father and saying, Father, I'm asking boldly. I'm asking boldly. I need, some of you this morning need to ask God boldly because your options are almost completely limited. You have no other options. There's nothing wrong with that. All you have left is your need. That's a great place to be because you're about to make discoveries about what God might do for you. I discovered this uh, in, in, in a great way. The next picture I'm going to put up is my son playing golf. He's the one in the red shirt at Fox Creek Golf Club. Now, why that's so significant is this. Uh, back in the early 2000s, once we were in the new building, um, I, I began to pray because we needed to expand it, and I began to sense that God was asking Becky, my wife, and myself to do something significant. We we were uh, praying about how we were going to uh, be able to afford the expansion of the building. And I sensed God saying to me, you need to give up six months of your salary. I told somebody that. I said, what's so important about giving up six months' salary? I said, it's not salary, it's salary. <laughs> I'm not giving up. I could give up salary in a heartbeat. <laughs> but I sensed God starting to say, we told nobody. We just kept it to ourselves. I asked Becky to pray. She prayed and said, you know, I think this is God. I, I, as strange as it sounds, this is God. So we got our kids together and we said, you know, this is what we feel God's asking us to do. It's going to make significant impact on our family. Our kids are realists. The first thing they said was, Dad, how are we going to pay the bills? Where are we going to get money for food? I said, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this. God will provide for us. He absolutely will. This, listen, if this is God speaking, He's going to come through. My son immediately said, but Dad, you told me you would teach me golf at Fox Creek Golf Club this summer. How are you going to do that if you don't have any money? I said, Colin, I don't know the answer to that, but I know God's going to come through. He said, Dad, you also told me you would, take, that you would uh, uh, get me uh, tickets for Six Flags this summer so I could go to Six Flags. How are you going to do that? I said, Colin, I don't know the answer to that, but I know God's going to do it. So we've got to start praying for every issue like that in this family that somehow God will find a way for us to do things that we know He wants us to do. So I'm putting him to bed that night. I said, Colin, how about we pray for those two things? He said, okay. So I'm down at the bed kneeling with him. He's about, about 10 years, 11, 11 years old. 
at that time. And uh, he starts, he says, God, uh, please uh, give us uh, free golf at Fox Creek Golf Club and free tickets to Six Flags. Okay? <laughs> That's good. I'm glad I taught him. I, I'm glad he prayed that way. And then I pray. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was praying on two levels. On one level, I'm praying like he is. Oh, God, please give us free golf at Fox Creek Golf Club, and I've got my arms around them, and free tickets to Six Flags. That, that's the one level I was playing on, praying on. You want to know the other level I was praying on on the inside? It was this. Oh, God. Oh, God, please don't punish this kid for my foolishness. If this is, if this is some imagination of my heart, please protect them from my foolishness. But if you can hear me, would you please, please give us free golf at Fox Street Golf Club and free tickets to Six Flags. I need you. You ever prayed like that? Okay, I have lots of times. That's how I pray down at the monastery most times. Okay? Because I needed to let God know, I need you. I need you. I'm going out on a limb. I think I'm obeying what you're asking me to do, but I need you. I went into the office that week. We had a new receptionist. She came into my office. She said, Peter, I just started this week, but I, I want you to meet my husband. He's not a believer yet. He subsequently became a believer, but I want him to bring, he's delivering pizza to the staff today, and I want him to, br to bring him back and introduce him to you. He's, he's not used to going to church, but he loves coming here. I said, bring him on. So he comes in. He tells me a little bit about what he does with his pizza business. And then he says this, and by the way, we had not breathed a word to anyone about what we were doing or praying for. And he says, Peter, by the way, he said, I, I deliver pizza to um, Fox Creek Golf Club. And I'm just wondering if maybe someday you and your son would want to join me because in return for the pizza I delivered to them, they let me and anyone who comes with me play for free at Fox Creek Golf golf club that was one day after we prayed so i went home that night i said to colin what are we praying for colin he said free golf for folks we golf club I said right done that's god answered that one so i go back into the office again nobody knew what we were praying for this time the worship leader comes through and says peter my husband has cousins who are coming over from sweden i know colin's not a teenager but he's a big kid and we were wondering if maybe he would like to hang out with these these uh, foreign cousins to kind of give them a little taste of American kids and, and what they do. And we're going to go all over Atlanta. We're going to go in downtown Atlanta, CNN building, Whitewater, Six Flags. And then she said, oh, and by the way, we'll pay for all of his tickets everywhere he goes. I said, really? Like you'll pay for his tickets to Six Flags? She said, yes, we'll pay for his tickets to Six Flags. So I go home that night and say, Colin, what are you praying for? Free tickets to Six Flags. I said, God's got it. He's answered it. That was the same week. Now, am I saying God's always going to answer? Has he always answered that dramatically for me? No. But has he done it? Yes. Why? Because he wants us to ask boldly and believingly, eliminating most of our options. So we're coming to him with our prayers. That's why. Ask boldly. Ask believingly. And ask because he cares. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, how much more will your Father in heaven give, go, give good gifts to those who seek him? You see, you've just listened to me telling my story about my son, and you can surely identify a father's heart. You say, oh man, that guy, that, that crazy Scottish guy, he is passionate about his kid. I am. I love my kids. But guess what? That pales into insignificance in comparison with how much God loves you. 
Your father never loved you as much as God loves you, no matter how much your father loved you. And Jesus is saying, how much more? Look, if an earthly father can love his kids like this and give good gifts to them, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who what? To those who have needs? No, no, no. Not to those who have needs. To those who ask Him. To those who ask Him. And so we've got to be not just aware of our needs, we've got to be asking about our needs and asking boldly because He cares. James 1, chapter 5 again in the message. If you don't know what you're doing, and that, that's me, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. That's what James says in James chapter 1, verse 5, Hebrews 4, 16, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need because He cares. Here's what John Newton said, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. You're coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. I love the story about the little boy in the parade as the Roman army marched back into Rome after a great victory with the emperor at the head of the march. And the little boy who's being held back by a centurion suddenly bursts out and runs towards the emperor. And the centurion says, Hey, you, get back here. You can't do that. That's your emperor. And the little boy shouts back, Your emperor my father and he runs and the emperor takes him up and puts him on his shoulders why because he was both emperor and father to the little boy see you've got a king in heaven he's your king but he's also your father he loved you more than your earthly father ever did and he loves and delights in hearing you ask for things that you need in fact he's put you in some places some of you this morning are in places where where you would rather not be. Someone came to me earlier in the earlier service and explained in tears they were in a situation where they, they knew they just did not want to be. But guess why God sometimes allows us to be there? So we will begin to ask Him. Ask Him as a Father to come through for us, to protect us, to comfort us, to heal us, to, to open doors for us, to close other doors, to protect us from people who are after us, whatever it might be. He loves us deeply. This is what it says in Romans 8, 32. Who, he who did not... You say, Peter, how much does he care for us? The only word I can say is deeply. I, there's a whole life behind that. Deeply, deeply. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also... Oh, you mean there's more than the cross and resurrection? Absolutely. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, that, 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 this is an incredibly significant verse. Um, I said this in the earlier service, and I hope I can say it here too. When James asked me to speak on prayer, and, and you know, uh, Susie said some very kind things about what James got, James got out of that prayer retreat, the one thing I don't ever want to hear him say about me is I'm a great prayer warrior, or I'm great at prayer. I'm not. I suck at prayer. Can I just say that? I'm allowed to say that at Crosspoint, right? I suck at prayer. I do. I suck at prayer. There's days go by I don't, I don't pray about anything. But that's okay. Because if I understand this verse correctly, it says not only did Jesus die for me and rose again, but he also ascended on high and he's now at the right hand of the Father. And as I said to James when he said, you must be a great prayer warrior, I said, James, no, 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 James, the only thing I know is that 
Jesus not only died for me, he went to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he's there right now interceding for me. And every time I take my eyes off myself and look at Jesus where he is now, not what he was doing 2,000 years ago, but real time, these events are happening in real time. Every time I look at him in real time where he is and what he's doing now, he's in heaven praying, interceding, talking to the Father on my behalf. That's incredible good news. That's incredible good news. That's why I love it when real things happen in real time in response to prayer. Uh, about 10 years ago when I started provision, I'll be honest with you, I was totally exhausted. I was at the end of my rope. I really honestly considered I used to be in construction management. I thought, I'll, I can go back into construction management because maybe I'm not suited for ministry. Maybe, maybe some of the critics are right. I can't teach well enough. I can't evangelize well enough. And every pastor has their critics, by the way, even James. So you need to pray for your pastor to be encouraged because there are times when pastors want to quit. I'm not saying that's him, that's me. Usually it was every Monday morning. No, not as often as that. But, but there are times when, and I, and I was, I, this is probably the tiredest I've ever been in my life. I was totally weary. I was saying, God, please just release me. You know what God began to say? No, no, Peter, I want you, I want you to go to the next level. I want you to start going around the world preaching the gospel. I said, God, I don't have the resources. And I sensed, I shared it with my wife again. She prayed. We sensed God was asking us to step down from the church and launch out in pure faith, living by faith for our family income to go and preach the gospel around the world and to encourage pastors. And I said, God, I can't do that. I, I, I don't, I've not got the resources. I've not got the stamina. If this is you, please let me know. And I began, don't mind saying it, I'm Scottish, stiff upper lip and all the other stuff. But I was crying. I was in the car driving to Panera's in a Panera's restaurant in Florida. I was at a conference. I was going to a Panera's restaurant. And I began to cry out to God and say, God, if this is you, if this is really you, again, I need to know this is you. Here's me on the outside. Oh, Father, pastoral prayer, you know. Here's me on the inside. Oh, God, please come through for me. Let me know. Here's my Here was my prayer. Let me know that you love me. That's it. Let me know that you love me. I need to know today. And I, was, I almost said this. I was in Florida. I said, I don't need a bumper sticker. Florida's got lots of them. John 3.16, I've memorized it in the Greek. I don't need John 3.16 in the back of a car. I don't need a fish sign. Here's what I said. I need you to speak to me today and put your arms around me and let me know you love me. If you will do that, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere for you. And I pulled up outside this restaurant and there was a woman sitting in one of the chairs at the front and she looked awful. She was obviously homeless. She had uh, uh, dirty clothes. She was, she was uh, uh, very dirty, greasy hair. She was downcast, and she had a dog at her feet. And as I went past her, she signaled to me to come over to her. So I walked over, and she said, will you give me money for food? Now, I don't think she realized she was speaking to a Scotsman. <laughs> we don't give money to anyone. But I said, no. I said, <laughs> you know, it was two Scotsmen invented copper wire, right? They were both fighting over a penny. But... Anyway, I said, no, no, I won't give you money for food. I won't give you money for food, but I'll buy your lunch. And she said, oh, I'll have a chicken pesto. And she rattled off the menu. She knew what she wanted from the menu, which was fine. And then she said, oh, and get one for my dog. I said, no, I'll get one for you. You give it to your dog if you want. So I went inside. And I, see, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. I'm an evangelist. Sir. I'm going to get to share the gospel with this lady. This is going to be fantastic. I can bless her and then share with her. So I go inside. I'm standing at the counter. And I thought, you know, she's homeless. I, she's got to have stuff to go home with. So I started thinking of all the things. Order a muffin, a bottle of water, a packet of chips or crisps, depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on. 
Uh, I just ordered everything I could to put on that tray so I could bless her with not just lunch, but dinner and breakfast too if she wanted it, and summon for her dog. And I thought, great, I'm going to get to share the gospel with her. But as I'm standing there making my plans to share the gospel with her, just out of the blue was this overwhelming impression, not an audible voice, but a clear impression from God, because I know what those impressions are like, and it it was very clear and very specific. And God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to ask this woman if she knows why you're doing this for her. And when she says no, I want you to tell her it's because I love her and think she's absolutely wonderful. That was it. Clear. I knew right there and then what I was supposed to do. wasn't easy doing it, but I knew right there and then I was supposed to ask her if she knew why I was doing this for her. And when she said no, I was to tell her that God loved her and thought she was absolutely wonderful. I'm still thinking this is going to lead to me sharing the gospel with her. She's going to come to Christ. So meantime, I'm waiting for the food at the end of the line in Panera. She's come in from the outside, and she's now come over to me, and she comes up to about my, my, my armpit. And now she's standing right beside me, and she's starting to snuggle up to me. Now, this is getting embarrassing a little bit. For one thing, she smelled awful, but I didn't mind that, because I'm going to share the gospel with her. You know, she's homeless. What else? Who could, how, that's not her fault. And so now she's snuggling up beside me, and now she starts to put her arms around me. And now I'm thinking, okay, this is getting really awkward now, and I'm sort of, I've got one arm around her, and now I'm thinking, I'd better get this right. If she thinks I'm telling her I love her and thinks she's wonderful, she's going home with me tonight, okay? <laughs> and now the business people in Panera, they're standing to stand back a little bit. They're kind of watching this interesting-looking couple here, like, like we're an item or something. And, uh, and, she's, and, I, and I'm trying to find out, you know, uh, without being too awkward, like, how can I help her? Is it... So then they call the food. Now I think, I better, get, I better tell her soon in case she just takes the food and skedaddles. I better tell her soon what I, what I know God wants me to tell her. So I go to get the food and I bring the tray back and I think, now or never. So she goes to get the tray and I take hold of her hands as she puts them on the tray. The whole time she's been looking down like this, just looking down, looking down, looking down. And so I said to her, look up, look up. And she looks up into my eyes. Look in my eyes. I said, do you know why I'm doing this for you? And she went, no, no. What did God just say to me? Ask her if she knows why you're doing this for her. And when she says no, she just said, no, no. What was I to tell her? That God loves you and thinks you're absolutely wonderful. So I said, look up, look up, look up. She looked up back in my eyes again. I took her hands again. I squeezed them tightly. I said, I'm doing this for you because God loves you. God loves you. And he thinks you're absolutely wonderful. And she went, no, no, no. I said, no, please, please. I'm not a crazy guy. I said, I'm a pastor. I was actually standing at the counter getting your food. And make no mistake, God spoke to me. And he asked me to tell you today that he loves you. He loves you. And he thinks you're absolutely wonderful. Now I'm thinking, I'm going to get to share the rest of the gospel when we sit down, right? So I go back to get my tray of food, and I turn around to go join her, and when I turn back around, she is gone. She's gone. I couldn't see her anywhere in the restaurant. Couldn't see her. I couldn't even see the dog. I now think she was an angel because of what happened next. As I'm walking back 
to my seat going, what was that all about? I was so ready to share with that woman. And here's the question. Do you think there was a single cell in my body that didn't believe that God loved this woman? No. I know he loves me, but, but was there a single cell in my body that didn't believe he loved this woman? No. No matter what she'd done, no matter what she'd become, no. Would, would there be a single fiber of your being in the same circumstances that wouldn't believe that God loved her? No. We could totally believe that God loves this woman. All that she needs to hear is the message of the gospel and then respond to it. So I'm thinking, God, what was that all about? And as I'm walking back to my seat, it was like God whispered to me. Some of you have seen it coming already. I didn't. I when it happened to me, I just burst into tears again. <laughs> because here's what God said to me. Peter, that wasn't just for her. That was for you. You asked me just a few hours ago. You asked me to tell you how much I loved you. That's what you said. You even said, put your arms around me. What had the woman done? She'd hug me with her arms around me. Peter, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's all I needed to hear to start Provision Partnership. Because that wasn't just for her. That wasn't just for me. That was for some of you this morning. Because some of you have been in ministry, you've been in the church for so many years, and you could tell somebody else without a pause that God loves them. But you've lost sight of his love for you. That's why you need to pray. Ask him to show himself to you. Ask him to reveal himself to you. You know, if you're not a believer this morning, you say, well, how does this relate to me? I'm not, I've not even started following Christ, Peter. I've not even started following Christ. You may be thinking, how can I pray? Will God hear me? Yes, he will. I'm going to let my, my friend, Mac Scheidegger, tell you the story of how he came to Christ. I'm Max Scheidegger. In 1999, I met Pastor Peter Grant. He was looking to buy a home, and I was showing him one of my listings. After a few minutes, Peter says, So, Mark, do you go to church? Ah, uh, no. Look, Peter, I grew up Lutheran. My mom took us to church every Sunday. Vacation Bible school, confirmation. But then when I went to college, I stopped going to church. I just couldn't be a hypocrite. I couldn't sit in church and say that I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Now, Peter, look, I believe in God, and I try to be a good person. I'm just not so sure about the Jesus Christ stuff. So, Mark, you tell me you believe in God. Peter, absolutely, no doubt. You know, the sun, the moon, the rivers, the ocean, the birds, the bees, the trees. Absolutely, there's a God. Okay, Mark then I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pray to God about Jesus Christ. Okay, I can do that. And I did that. The next day I prayed, Dear God, please help me come to some resolution. If Jesus Christ is your son, your one and only son, please help me to know that. Please help me to be at peace with that. And God, if Jesus Christ is not your son, your one and only son. Please help me to know that and be at peace with that. And God, I'm not a Bible reader, so you're going to have to give me a sign. You're going to have to give me an obvious sign. Well, over the next few months, amazing and unbelievable things got happened. 
God revealed to me that Jesus Christ is his son, his one and only son. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I began my personal daily walk with Christ. Now, every day I'm, I'm thankful and joyful and, and so at peace, knowing how much God loves me and that God is always with me. If you have questions or if you have doubts, please talk to God. Pray to God. God loves you so much. And God is always, always with you. We're going to pray. And I don't care if you're somebody who's come in the doors of a church like I once did, thinking I couldn't possibly belong in a place like this with all these squeaky clean good people. Maybe you're right there. Maybe you're, you've been so long in church, you can't remember a time you weren't in church. But we all need to speak to God. Let's talk to him right now. Father in heaven, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you can answer every single prayer that's prayed to you in faith this morning, whether it's that first cry of the heart. Please show me if your son, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of the world. And so if you're praying that now this morning, I pray it with you for God to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. Or whether you've been a Christian for many years and you need to know again the power of prayer and the power of God to answer your needs with his resources. I pray in faith for you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. If we can help you at the end after the song, there'll be a prayer team here, but I'll also be glad to talk to you at the front as well. Thank you.